Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Hi, friends. Welcome back. We're so excited to be back. We are, gosh, it's coming up to spring break or, I mean, every school has a different, I know, so some, might be in spring break. I know, break some are like early March, summer, or like some people actually had like ski week in February. And then it's I like, mean, yeah. They have like ski week and then they also have spring break. So I don't like, if you guys have that in your school, let us know how that works out. Do you end up? going later in the summer. I feel like you probably do, but I feel like spring break is one of those markers of the school year that when you come back from spring break, it's that final stretch of the end of the school year. It's Mm -hmm. that, what do we need to do for the rest of the school year to prepare for the upcoming school year, to prepare for summer? You know, we have a little bit of, you know, it's not that much time, but it's enough time that you know, if there's skills we're really working on and we're trying to ramp up, like this is the time to really hunker down and try to get it in before summer. So it's like, that's always like a threshold. And wonderfully enough, today, the day we're recording this, on March 11th, is Social Emotional Learning Day, which is something that we've talked about on the podcast before, social emotional learning, but it's definitely not talked about enough. It's something that, you know, we really wish was integrated into every school day for every child and every work day for every adult, right? It's something that I think is important to talk about. And, you know, I think the end of the school year always is stressful for a lot of kids, especially about finals coming up, especially the older kiddos, right? So this is probably even more important towards the end of the school year, getting kids the coping strategies they need and the ability to you know, work through any stresses that might come with the end of the school year madness. Well, I just don't even think that anybody is realizing the collective trauma of the last two years. This is year three of the pandemic. You know, we had kids for the 2019-2020 school year, you know, the last couple months was like completely taken from them. Then we had, you know, a rocky start to the 2020-2021, you know, a lot were still in distance learning. And then this year, 2021-2022 has just been wild. Like, so, you know, I think just checking in with everyone and their mental wellness, you know, and, you know, what children need to be supported. Social emotional awareness day in and of itself or social emotional learning day is so important. And that's, it kind of actually ties in perfectly to our guest, Jessica Grace. Jessica, welcome to our program. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, happy Social Emotional Learning Day. Yay. So Jess, you're the founder of Social and Kind. Can you tell us a little bit about your business and your background? Yeah, absolutely. I'm best known as Miss Jess, just so we know going forward. Everybody in the world (laughs) of kids and adults know me as Miss Jess. I, gosh, I've been working with kiddos age two to literally 25 for over 20 years. I've worked in lots of different environments. I worked in earlier mention and specialized in ABA with kiddos with autism, as well as lots of different developmental delays. 
And then I moved out of that and moved up north with my own family. I have two daughters myself, teenage daughters. And I worked in schools as a speech language pathology assistant. And then from that and from my exposure, I was, as a young age, I was always a babysitter. I was a big athlete. So I was always with kids and just kind of trying to figure out where they were most needing help. And what I found as a speech therapist in schools a lot of times was their inability to generalize a lot of the skills out mm-hmm. into their school day as well as home environments. Mm. And I immediately latched on to the, also the importance of pragmatic language, mm-hmm. which is social skills and the mm-hmm. social language and the ability for kids to be able to communicate, have a conversation are like, that's kind of my sweet spot. I, at the end of the day, I think there are some kiddos in the world that we continue to focus too much on their academic growth Mm -hmm. and we forget about just their ability to be happy and cope in the world and have a Mm -hmm. friend and hold a job. So because of all that, because of my background, when I moved back to Southern California, so I'm in Southern California now, when I moved back here, I decided that I wanted to do my own thing and really specialize initially in social groups. So when I worked up north, I also ran social groups at schools and also at a private practice. And so when I came back, I really was like, you know, this is my niche. I am, some people call me a child whisperer. I just (laughs) have a unique way of connecting to all children. So that's why a lot of people also are like, oh my gosh, you see 25-year-olds and then also a two-year-old? And yes, I do. I love them all. Middle school years were always traditionally not my favorite, but I've learned to accept and build an awesome skill set on how to help them. Because yes, during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. I call it kind of pandemic resilient teaching Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. I have found there is obviously more and more need for that. I'm getting way more calls for kids with anxiety and stress and worries and just needing, just like you guys said, those coping strategies, I call it, you know, creating their toolbox of things that are easily accessible to help them defeat those worries, really. So again, my practice is I parents utilize me in many different ways. One, for social groups that I do often outside of school, after school hours, and on weekends. And I have some kids that I've seen now. Mm, let's see, my oldest kid in my group right now is 18, and I've seen him since he was two years old. So I have some kids that I've seen for a very long time. So I have huge rapport in their families as well as with them, of course. And you're just like another person for them to work on things, right? You know, because that's a long, that's an extensive, yeah, Yeah. and talk to, exactly. Yeah, a lot of kiddos, my older kids, I love it. One of my kids turned me as a feelings coach. Um, And I really loved that. And I delight in that because I really empower kids to stop and pause and be able to express their emotions as well as teach parents that, you know, we have to stop asking them why and validate and express us as adults, express what feeling we see in those children. Because obviously when we're already in that fight flight mode, when Mm -hmm. you're saying, Hey, why are you upset? They have no idea. Let alone being able to identify that they are sad, mad, frustrated, So I use lots of different teaching modalities to pull in their ability to not only express their emotions, but as I always say, let those go. And so that we can move on in a healthy way and get back to that sweet green zone, happy place that we mostly want to spend our day. 
But as I was saying, so parents utilize me as for social groups, Mm -hmm. as well as I support kids in school. So back in the day, I wasn't a paraprofessional for sure for years. Mm -hmm. And so I often will train teachers as well as parents and staff on how to best support the kid in their learning environment. So I do a lot of school observations. I sit in on school meetings with families. I walk parents through the IEP and helping them understand if they have an IEP, helping them understand the wording and what the goals actually mean, as well as I'm actually work at a school right now where I pull in and we're trying to launch a whole social emotional curriculum program at that school. Oh, I love that. Um, Yeah. And so I am on the side. I work a lot of hours, a lot of kids. That's really my passion is my actual one-on-one work with the kiddos but I am trying to build my own curriculum around it because what makes me a little bit more unique too, is that I went back and got trained as a yoga mindfulness teacher Oh, very um, cool! because I found that to be a need. And it was already something that I use in my own daily life Mm -hmm. to defeat stress and support my, you know, physical and mental health. So I also incorporate yoga and mindfulness and breathing into all my sessions with it, kids. it all connects. Uh-huh. And we've talked about that. You know, we've had, you know, a lot of different people in different districts, different states do things differently. And I yeah. love that, you know, in Southern California, you've already connected. Hopefully it's in Southern California, you know, with uh-huh. a district that is like, hey, we need to have a curriculum around this, you know, because we've dealt with some schools up north that have that own curriculum. We've had definitely, you know, different types of district people that don't necessarily have like that as a title. Um, but, yeah. you know, it's so important. It does need to be somebody, you know, that goes around and is in charge of the wellness. Because a lot of teachers, you know, when you're saying, oh, we're doing a curriculum, it seems overwhelming, but it's stuff that you're probably already doing, right? You're taking deep breaths. You're trying to get them from that fight or flight, you know, just, you know, and it's daunting for sure, but, you know, you can regulate, you can co-regulate, right? And I don't think that enough people know about that. So for you to be able to go in and with your background, right? So you had, you know, the... I think you had even said you were a speech and language assistant, right? Or para. And, yeah, for, and just, for years. Yeah. Yep. And so then that social emotional, like the speech and the language component of like speech and language. But then it's like you have to be able yep. to regulate the child and any behavior so that they can, you know, get the information. But then that's tied to, like you said, the fight or flight. Like I just, it's all connected. And I just feel like for so long, people were just like, no, we don't talk about emotions. That doesn't have anything to do with schooling. Yep. And it has everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, even so many adults don't talk about their right. emotions, right? So many yeah. adults don't know how to identify their emotions. And that's another topic for another day. But can you tell us, our listeners, a little definition of how you see social emotional learning and kind of like the basis for the like curriculum that you're trying to implement? Yeah. You know, my model, the reason why I named my company Social and Kind is really about, I believe that all children deserve the ability to form relationships and friendships. And so social emotional learning really is all about kindness, bravery, resilience, and inclusion. So it's really about pulling those things together and teaching the kids how to express their emotions, how to follow directions, how to have self-control slash regulation, 
And then, you know, I use the word resilience all the time. But again, we forget to teach kids what that really means. Mm-hmm. So I do like a really fun activity with fidgets and sort of like rubber bands where we talk about how it's really just your ability to bounce back from anything that doesn't go your way or what's so-called a, a setback. And so I talk, I, you know, social emotional learning to me, if you really ask me, is the core of education and kids accessing learning. So, and especially for those kiddos that learn differently, which really we're looking at one out of three, one out of five kids is, you know, basically needs to be able to be in an environment that allows them to learn in a little bit of a different way. And so it's really about how do we teach teachers and parents and all of us how to look at kids from a wider perspective as far as looking at their visual, auditory, kinesthetic, and tactile learning. And that's, you know, some parents feel that I'm an occupational therapist because I also know so much about their sensory system. Mm. So I also truly believe that, you know, sensory is part of social emotional learning and us being able to teach a kid how to control themselves when they are having an overwhelming feeling or when their body is sending them a message, like basically those kids that can't sit still or fidgety or present more with ADHD or ADD. So a lot of that ties together. And I mean, social emotional learning is a big umbrella, right? Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's to me is just all about feelings, acceptance, tolerance. And at the end of the day, all of these kids are going to come out with way more empathy and compassion, not only for themselves, but for others. And so if we had yeah. more of those people in the world, we'd probably have less prejudice. We'd have stronger people, you know, and we'd have, yeah, yeah. Well, we talk a lot about in early on in schooling is going to impact yep. way further on in the world and the community And so I think this is an integral part of that because it's not just getting the adults in the room to see these kids for who they are and what their needs are, but also to see their peers as this, right? Because that's part of it is that I think for so long we've thought, well, okay, we as the adults need to know that these kids have individual differences and challenges and strengths and you know, we're going to kind of keep it to ourselves because we don't want them to stand out and all of that. But the reality is, is in this world, we are all different, whether we have a disability or not, whether we have challenges or not. And as early on as we can get children to understand that and see it as normal, right, that we are around people who are different from us and celebrate those differences, the better inclusion works right and better we're able to generalize those skills to their future absolutely i truly believe all children deserve the opportunity to develop friendships and access learning too and so you know the core of inclusion inclusion really is about building that tolerance and acceptance of differences which then in in itself builds empathy and a lot of people ask me that you Mm -hmm. know it's just can you teach empathy absolutely it is I can't, without a doubt, I feel you truly, even my kiddos, I mean, I've worked with nonverbal kids on the spectrum Mm -hmm. with autism that people are like, 
wow, oh my gosh, he is really caring, thoughtful person, even though he can't speak. Yeah, absolutely. Our nonverbal body language, our actions, yeah. all those things matter. It's all communication um, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And you just need to be so, able to tap into that, which it sounds like you just right. naturally are able to do that. Yeah, I have a unique ability to just kind of figure out you know, as I tell all my parents, one of the first things I talk about is remember all behaviors are communication. Mm-hmm. So right. it's also, I challenge people to look at it through different eyes and different lens and think yeah. about, you know, because I'm not, I don't minimize that sometimes these kiddos are these kiddos that have different needs or have bigger outbursts or whatever you want to call it are challenging in classroom settings. They can be absolutely. And that's kind of my wheelhouse, too, is to really empower teachers with the tools of how to help those kids, you know, thrive in their classroom. And then also, I, you know, I'm all about the finding them, helping them be able to be in, you know, the least restrictive environment. So, you know, there's no perfect school out there, but if we could incorporate more of these skills into every single classroom, it would help everyone all kiddos absolutely absolutely so we we love like explaining the theory behind or the idea behind a lot of these curriculums and stuff but we're also very interested in giving our listeners real world examples so can you walk us through either an activity or a day in the life of this curriculum what would this look like in the classroom yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I use a lot of different curriculum. Zones of regulation is one of my favorite, as well as social thinking by Michelle Garcia Winner. She's really taught us a lot about how social emotional learning is not just learned intuitively, which a lot of times we think, or even principals and staff are like, oh yeah, we incorporate it, but it needs to be more purposeful delivery, mm-hmm. right? So I do a lot of different things with kiddos. Let's see. I do a lot of positive affirmations, so I start the morning off in a second grade class where we do, we come up with three different positive affirmations and we all state them three times in a row. So this is pulling in some of my yogi brain mindfulness stuff. And I'm doing that because of that positive psychology and allowing them to feel and build that self-esteem and confidence. Right. So yesterday's one was I am flexible, I am smart and I am resilient. And the kids at it, you know, a lot of times people also question like, oh, do we teach resilience at a young age? I'm like, yeah, I do it in kindergarten classes, like teach them what it means to not give up and teach it what it teach them what it means to bounce back. So I do a lot of positive affirmation work where we actually recite it. I do breath work. One of my favorite ones is called Rainbow Breath. And within Rainbow Breath, I talk, I incorporate the zones, which is when we're in the red zone is when we're frustrated and angry. Green zone, happy and calm. Yellow zone, maybe surprised or extra silly. Blue zone, worried or sad. And it's really about the importance of teaching that all emotions and all zones are okay. Mm -hmm. So we are quick to say, it's bad to be mad. Don't mm. be mad. You can't mm. be mad. Don't be upset. You're mm-hmm. losing it. Your volcano's erupting. So I do a lot of that work with kiddos where we talk about that again, when is it expected and when is it unexpected to be in those zones and to have those feelings? And really I empower them to think about that, reminding them that they have the power to choose how they respond in every emotional situation, basically. And I will run 
I do a lot of social stories with kids. So we will come in, for example, after recess, and a lot of kids will come up to me and say, hey, Miss Jess, you know, so-and-so wouldn't let me play with them. And so we'll walk it through as a class, and I'll talk about, like, basically – Again, I'm building the perspective taking and inferencing skills at this point where we're drawing on the board like, okay, so-and-so said this to you. How might it make you feel? And how do you think if we could redo that moment, how might you respond? So I kind of map it out for kids and draw it. I use a lot of visuals. I do a lot of movement-based stuff. So sometimes I'm not having them sit in their chairs. Right. Or even just, yeah, just do different things, right? Mm -hmm. We had somebody on and they were talking about, you know, it's, it doesn't even have to be crisscross applesauce anymore, right? It was Uh -uh. like, I think there was like a mermaid one, like it was just like, just lay on their bellies. Yeah, lay on their belly, like these little things that like make a huge difference. I love movement breaks. I don't know how, like, why did we ever think that? A five-year-old could sit still for more than, like, two seconds. Right. Even, like, I was talking to a client the other day about just the concept of typical behaviors and, like, pushing all kids to have eye contact or, yeah, sit in their seat when it's, like, in reality, in real world. Like, even when we're on an airplane, for the most part, we're allowed to get up and stretch our legs if we need to. So... The focus should be on, is the child paying attention, not is the child sitting in the exact way that we want them to, because what's the purpose of that? I think so getting back to like, what is the purpose? If the thing is, is that we want them to focus on what we're talking about or engage in conversation, it shouldn't matter. I mean, sure, we don't want them to be too distracting other students, but for the most part, I don't know. Like if we look at I think school and classroom mm-hmm. environment, the mm-hmm. way we look at the rest of the world, mm-hmm. yep. because it is very different. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I do in classes a lot is I educate and, you know, the teachers on like, Hey, this kiddo needs to stand or a lot of, a lot of kids also call me fidget queen. <laughs> I always have a fanny pack with fidgets on me and pockets and I love essential oils I am all about all those tools, and when used appropriately, they are magic. And so many, we still live in this world of, oh, a fidget is a distraction. It is not, and I'm also really good at teaching kids and staff on how to appropriately use them. And and that's the thing. I I, I think that's for some kids, you got to find the right one, right? Yes. And I think that, like, when those fidgets had come out with like those spinners like that might not work for every kid like you know but I think that people you know put them in a category and like oh no they're so distraught like they just write it off right and that's what we see with just kids in general like people love to label things and what I like about you Jess is that you're just seeing a kid right and you're able to tap into that and then break it down, right? Like, and I think that that is probably why your clients, you know, come to you is that you have a different perspective that you could really just try to break. Cause like Amanda and I aren't, we did not start as teachers, right? Or as, well, Amanda has experience as being a, a one-to-one, but you know, it's a different perspective that we have, right? We know the law and we can pick up some tips and tricks. And that's why we enjoy having people like you who really can understand and break it down for teachers, for parents, and for the child themselves, which I know goes probably a long way, which is is amazing. You know, it's 
really about creating that accepting environment within reason. And so it's just all about, like I said, like you were saying, and we were saying is, you know, providing the right tools. And I know a lot of families love that I really deny labels. I could care less if a kid has gone to a doctor yet. I don't push that. I just treat exactly what I see. When I was in early intervention years ago, therapists were always like, wow, you never pull the kid's chart. I said, no, absolutely, I don't ever because I just want to sit with them and play with them and engage with them and see what I see and treat what I treat. I know a lot of families love that about me, but then there's a time and place where, you know, labels are needed to sometimes better understand the kid. Even some of my older kiddos now absolutely shout from the rooftop, I have autism. That is really difficult for me. Or this social situation causes me stress, but I have mistrust that might help me navigate through it. I mean, I have a kid who's a freshman in college and starting to date or wants to date. And so I literally, he'll send me a text and I'll send him some ideas of conversation starters. So I'm really used in different ways, but I think that's what my message to the world is. Gosh, our world would be so boring if we weren't all unique and right. playful and fun. And yeah, you know, every kid can learn. I just, mm-hmm. we just have to be more flexible yep. ourselves. That's what I'm constantly teaching kids to be flexible. And at the end of the day, I was with the principal the other day and we were laughing because it's really about that. I need to try to build the flexibility in the teachers or the staff and their mm-hmm. education and seeing kids differently, you know, and just, Knowing that, okay, if that kid, like, I love Aaron's thinking putty. It's one of my favorite putties, and I use it, and I put essential oils in it, and I use it with kids in many different ways. I use it in math. I remind teachers that when you're silent reading or you're reading to them, allow them to have something in their hand, or, you know what, maybe that kid does need to stand. But, you know, that's a work in progress because we, I do know that sometimes that can be a distraction, but it's, if you create that environment where, even being able to say, I say to kids, like, when they'll say to me, like, hey, how come Joe has a fidget and I don't, Miss Jess? And I'll say, well, Joe's brain needs that right now. And, you know, perhaps you can have a turn Oh, I later. love that. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a very simple shift in yep. just in, in wording. Miss Jess, if people wanted more information about how they can tap into your wonderful knowledge, where can they go? Yeah. I have a website, which is www.socialandkind.com, as well as an Instagram where I try to put a lot of stuff. I am uh, absolutely obsessed with children's books, so I probably have every social emotional learning <laughs> children's book there is. Yeah. And so a lot in my stories as well, that's quick and easy for parents to just see like where you can get the books and what books are my favorite. I think books are a huge easy teaching tool for parents, educators, everyone to incorporate in. And I have lots of favorite authors for sure. And then obviously I even have parents that just, you know, DM me or I have a couple Zoom clients. So I'm really all about spreading my passion wide and far and however I can help. You know, I have a pretty full caseload, but that doesn't mean I won't consult or just give them a little picture of what kind of guy them in there wherever they are you know and trying to figure out what's best for their kiddo or you know I do a lot of parent training as well I have a mom's group right now of that they happen to all have teenage girls and you know we have different discussions I bring in and you know the other day we were talking about how to navigate social media right so again I 
help in many different ways. But I think at the end of the day, it's really just about that I have a way of understanding kids and kind of pulling out their strengths and then helping them embrace their challenges and work through those and either make those challenges be their superpower or figure out how to defeat them. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jess, for coming on and sharing everything. I'm sure on your Instagram, you are just as helpful, um, like you said, with all the stories and things. So please check her out. Check out her website. And we will talk to you guys later. Thanks. Bye. Bye.